that. Thank you, Jose, uh, for leading us um, in that in those songs and giving us the space to 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 cry out to God. And that's so what's what a wonderful um, privilege and uh, opportunity we have each week as we gather to to do just that um, to bring our our, our hopes, our fears, our struggles, our triumphs, our joys, all of those, and, and to cry out to um, a loving God who hears us and who is uh, present with us. So, so thank you for that. Let's, uh, let's pray. Father, I thank you so much um, for your goodness, for your mercy. Thank you so much for meeting us here each week. Not that this is the only place where you can be found, uh, but thank you that in a unique way, as we gather together as your people, um, you are present with us. And so, God, we pray that you would open us, um, open our awareness to your presence and that we would not take for granted um, this time and that we would submit ourselves to you as you um, work in us through the power of your spirit. Now, God, as we turn to your word and open your word, I pray that you would open it to us and then open us to your word. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear everything that you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So yesterday, um, yesterday, I attended um, the funeral of a man whose family I've known since high school. So that's like 20, a little over 20 years now. Um, and as I sat through the roughly four hour service, you heard that right. Uh, it's some one of the one of the uh, ministers that got up to speak. Uh, he made a statement that if you if you want a short funeral, don't do anything in life. Um, and clearly, by the length of the service and the the remarks that were were given, that were actually scheduled, um, this this gentleman um, he he did a lot in life. But as I as I sat through the service, um, it wasn't it was hard not to be struck by the legacy and impact that uh, this man left and made on so many people and and even with the, the the suddenness of his passing and the seemingly untimeliness of his death you got the sense listening to uh, those who spoke about his life who eulogized him you, you got the sense that he made the most of his life and, and sought to make much of Jesus with his life and influence others for Christ with the way he lived and the way he loved his family his church and others he clearly, you could tell that he clearly answered the call to follow Jesus and that the way he lived his life demonstrated that he took that call seriously and it bore fruit that was on full display yesterday during the service. And this morning, it got me thinking as I was preparing for this it, it, um, and as we um, focus on what we're going to talk about today and how Jesus calls disciples and how he calls us to follow him. Um, this morning, we want to return to the gospel of Luke and hear the same call of Jesus ourselves as it went out to a few fishermen 2,000 plus years ago, um, as it's been going out 2,000 years since, that we would hear the call of Jesus afresh and see too if we might be uh, inspired, encouraged, determined to leave a legacy of impacting, impacting those around us for Jesus Christ, that as we hear the call of Jesus, we might be primed or, or motivated to follow, not only follow him, but to leave a lasting legacy 
an impact on those around us, the people that God puts in front of us for Jesus Christ. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to the Gospel of Luke, the fifth chapter. If you don't if you didn't bring a physical Bible, um, the verse is printed in your program, in the lyric sheet. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 5. We'll read verses 1 through 11. And it says, Luke writes, One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, or the Sea of Galilee, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to, to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, when they had let down the nets, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come, to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man, for he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. Remember, they had worked the entire night without getting anything, and now Jesus shows up. So they were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Simon's groveling at his knees, recognizing his sinfulness. He says, Simon, don't be afraid. But from now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore. They left everything and followed him. We note that at the end of this passage, uh, Simon Peter, uh, James, and John all made a radical decision. The, the, the story kind of centers and focuses around Simon Peter, um, but we're told at the end that not only Simon Peter, but James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they made a radical decision. They left everything and followed Jesus. In Matthew and Mark's retelling of, of this encounter, when Jesus uh, uh, calls them, uh, Jesus explicitly tells them, as recorded by Matthew and Mark, come, follow me. And then they left everything and followed him. Luke doesn't uh, add that come, follow him. He just says they just left everything and followed him. Therefore, the miracle that they witnessed and the, the word of comfort spoken by Jesus after the miracle was sufficient for them to forsake all so that they could follow Jesus. In other words, they, his business became their business and his mission, their mission. Even if at that moment they didn't know what that fully entailed, they knew enough in that moment to say, listen, if he can do this, he's worth our follow. His mission became their mission and the, and the joy that would accompany them as they became or would become fishers of men. And, 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 this, and this leads us to our central truth this morning, your first fill in the blank, and it's this, that the surest path to joy is following Jesus, is by following Jesus. The surest path 
to joy is by following Jesus. All of us are looking for joy in life. All of us are looking for something in life to bring us joy, to bring us fulfillment, to, to, to give us a reason to live, a reason to love, a reason to hope. All of us are looking for joy, but Jesus is the surest path to joy, and, and following him is the surest path. Not, not only is he uh, following Jesus, the surest path to joy, Jesus is the source of joy. And I don't want to insult any of your intelligence, um, but because uh, one of the things that we can make the mistake of is reading passages like this is to um, is to over contextualize and leave the call of Jesus two thousand years ago. Um, but each one of us is called to follow Jesus. So it wasn't the call just for Simon Peter. Uh, James and John, but each one of us is called to follow Jesus. That is that is part of the deal of what it means to be to be saved and adopted into the family of God and belonging to Christ's church. And and, and when we read stories like this, it may seem like um, the call is reserved for for pastors and preachers. That, that Tom and I are are called to 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 leave everything and and follow Jesus. But that will be a mistake because no one enters the kingdom of God. No one gets in, into the new Jerusalem that is to come. No one can claim to be a child of God unless they follow Jesus. All of us then have to respond to Jesus' call to follow. For on the other side of that call, there is Jesus who is the path and source of joy. The path to and source of joy. At the outset, um, if, you, if you're getting a little bit nervous by the, the language that uh, Luke uses in this passage when it says, they left everything to follow Jesus. Let me say this at the outset, that we are we're not to take away um, from this, that every single person is supposed to, on Tuesday, if you're off tomorrow, or Monday, if you go to work tomorrow, the, the, the takeaway from this is not to go to your boss and say, hey, I'm tapping out. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm, I'm not encouraging you to, to do that, and I don't think that's the, the ultimate takeaway. Um, no, the, the, the takeaway is not for every single person to quit their job and go into full-time ministry. God uniquely calls some people to do that, in, as in the case of these particular disciples and others throughout history, but not all re are required to do, him, to, to do the same. But having said that, though, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't all be willing to obey Jesus if he asks us to do so. If Jesus did ask us and we felt the nudging of the Holy Spirit to do that, we should obey accordingly. And, and, and what this is getting at and what the disciples demonstrated as they responded to Jesus's call to, to come and follow me, as they left everything, they, following Jesus can't be haphazard or, or half-hearted, but we must be in full submission um, committed to commit faithful obedience to him as our Lord. Jesus then if this is true, and if we're called to, to truly and really follow him, as, as Tom uh, preached last week, then Jesus then becomes much more for us than a ticket into heaven. He, as we follow him, gives us what we've been looking for. 
He, we find the joy that our hearts are yearning for. He gives our lives true meaning. And that meaning is revealed to us only as we pursue him, as we seek him, as we follow him. And again, the disciples in this episode, they don't know what all this means, what this leaving everything behind. They, 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 little did they know that the next three years their whole entire worlds would be turned upside down. Yet in that moment, they made the conscious choice that we're going to trust this guy. We're going to trust Jesus. And this, this episode, this miracle that they experienced would only be a preview of coming attractions that they would later experience as they followed him. So the surest path to joy is by following Jesus. Jesus gives our life meaning. He gives our, he gives our lives purpose. He, he gives us what our hearts and what so many, uh, 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 everyone in the world is yearning for, for something to, to make it feel like their, life, their lives matter, their lives count for something. Jesus, when following him, he reveals that and he brings that into our lives. And so I want to walk through three benefits, not the only benefits, but three benefits for, that I see in these passages, or this passage uh, of following Jesus. What, okay, Jesus is the surest path to joy, but is there more to it? Is there more to it? And I, and I think there is. And so three benefits of following Jesus. We'll walk again through this passage um, and see what those benefits are. First, number one, benefit of following Jesus is experiencing his presence and power experiencing his presence and power. Not only do we find joy because he's the path of joy and is the source of joy, but when we follow Jesus, guess what? We get Jesus. Jesus is not a means to an end. He is the end. He, he is eternal life. He, he, he says this in John 17, he, when he prays to the Father, he said, Father, this is eternal life, that they know you. And then know that you have sent me, that I'm your son, that you have sent me. This is eternal life, relationship with Jesus. The benefit of following Jesus is we get Jesus. His, we experience his presence and his power. How does this happen and how does this play out in this passage? Jesus shows up in, in such a personal way. He shows up in such a unique and an extraordinary way. He, he doesn't show up uh, in, in the synagogue like he did in previous chapter or during a worship service, but he shows up at somebody's job. He shows up at Simon, James, and John's, the, the, their place of business, and he shows up at a uniquely particular time during a, a moment of frustration. And I love this this, this, this juxtaposition found in the gospel where, where we see Jesus going to the masses and the, the passage opens up that Jesus is stand, standing at this lake and the crowds are, are pressing into him because they're, they, they, they're listening to the word of God that's coming from his mouth. So there's this crowd element. There's, this, there's the masses that Jesus has come to, to preach the, the gospel of the kingdom to, the gospel of grace to. And then off in the peripheral, we see Peter, James, and John at work, cleaning their nets, frustrated because they spent all night on the water and didn't catch anything. And Jesus shows up and invades their place of work. Sometimes people find, people find Jesus while in church, but other times Jesus finds people in the most unusual places and circumstances. Suffice to say, what I'm encouraged by is this, that there is not a place 
in which Jesus will not go to show up for those whom the Father has given him. There is not a single place on earth that Jesus is not willing to go to show up for those whom the Father has given to him. For a few years after, uh, after I graduated from college, I sat on the board for an organization called Treasures. And Treasures was started um, by um, a, a, a young lady or a, a young woman um, who for years found herself trapped in sex trafficking. She was sex trafficked. Um, and Jesus rescued her out of sex, sex trafficking. And as she came out of that, she, she felt the call to not just leave that world behind, but she felt the call of, of Jesus pushing her to go and rescue and show the love of Christ to other women who are trapped in, se in sex trafficking or human trafficking or who, uh, who have made that choice for myriad of, of reasons. And one of the ministries that they had uh, with, with, with treasures, and, and most people would probably like uh, clutch your pearls when you hear what I'm about to say. One of the ministries they had is that they would raise money to um, buy little trinkets, little jewelry and lipstick and makeup stuff. And they would put them in these bags and they would go to gentlemen's clubs around Los Angeles area, Hollywood area. And they would show up and they'd say, hey, we're, we just here, we, we wanna talk to the girls. And they would put little messages like, you are a treasure, you are loved, you are precious in these little bags. And they would give them to the girls. They couldn't go in and just be like, snatch girls off the stage. They couldn't go in and say, we're coming here to preach to the girls. But they went in there with these little bags to let them know that they were loved, that they were treasured, that they meant more, that, that, that the job that they were doing that night, that they were worth more than how um, they were being objectified. Uh, and they, they just showed love to these women. And there are countless testimonies of how many times Jesus showed up in those little bags, in those gentlemen clubs, because they took the time to listen to the call of Jesus to go and shed light in those dark places. There's not a place on this earth that Jesus won't go and show up for those whom God has given him. And I'm encouraged by this because Jesus he he could have in this three in this three year ministry he could have gone any any place he wanted to he could have spent all of his time in the synagogues uh, preaching to the religious elite to all the the theologians and all he, he could have done all of that he could have went to kings and palaces and, and and political people who had political power he could have went to the rich but he went to the places that no one else or would, or people would seldom go and he met people right where they are. When Simon learned a lesson, James learned a lesson, John learned a lesson that when Jesus shows up and, 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 and gives this, extends this invitation to come and follow him, we get his presence, but not only his presence, not only do we get him, but we get his power. Jesus shows up and he shows out in this passage. He tells Simon, all right, I'm done preaching. Um, now let's go, let's go fishing. And Simon tells him, exacerbated, like, bro, this master, listen, we've been out there all night. This is, this is what we do. Like, ain't no fish getting, and, 
It's not happening today. We spent all night doing this. We've already washed our nets. We've already closed. We're closed up shop for the for the rest of the day. We'll try it again another day. But today, he we we didn't catch anything. But because you say so, you know what? I'll indulge you. So they launch out to the deep end and they cast their net. And the passage tells us that they catch so much fish that they had to get two boats to to try to haul it in. And then those two boats begin to sink because of the large amount of fish that were caught and then jesus tells him at the end he says listen uh th this is a symbolic gesture but you you are going to you're uh, what these fish represent are the, the men and women that you are going to bring into the kingdom of god through your ministry when jesus shows up in our lives it is for the purpose of displaying or manifesting his glory and his power in a number of ways. And because of his now abiding presence in our lives through the spirit, any and every place becomes the breeding ground for Jesus to do something amazing. Whether, whether it's through the comforting invisible presence of the spirit or whether it's through the powerful demonstration on the, the lake of Gennesaret, uh, this demonstration of the spirit by, the way, by way of the miraculous and everything in between. When we follow Jesus truly, and sincerely, we are aware of his abiding presence, and we open up ourselves to wonderful possibilities where Jesus can show up and demonstrate his power in our lives. That's so good to know that wherever we are, as we follow Jesus, it's the, a breeding ground for Jesus to do something amazing. That Jesus could do something amazing at, in line at Costco if we open ourselves up to his presence and power. Jesus can do something on our jobs. Jesus can do something in our homes. Jesus can do something in our relationships. Jesus can do something as we're driving in our car. He can speak a word of comfort to us and change and flip our entire days around Jesus. When we follow him, we get him, his presence, and his power. Not only do we get his presence and his power, but our second fill in the blank is this. The benefit of following Jesus is experiencing his provision, experiencing his provision. Now, I was actually going to, I was actually going to make this like a bonus one, but as I kept studying, I was like, oh, this is actually a pretty big, big deal. And I think one, this is the one aspect of this passage that can easily get overlooked, and that is the miracle of the fish. Like, I think we jump, we jump quickly from Jesus shows up. He tells them to put out, a, uh, put out in the deep and let the nest down. They catch a bunch of fish. And then we fast forward all the way till they left everything and follow him. And we forget about the fish. We forget about these two boats full uh, of fish. And, and as I kept reading and rereading this text, it became clear that this miracle deserves some extended attention. This was a miracle of provision. You see, Simon, James, and John, they weren't on a boys weekend fishing trip. This wasn't a hobby for them. This, they, they, they weren't merely men who fished. They were fishermen. This is what they did. This is how they paid bills. This is how they provided for their families. They, they, they made a living off catching and selling the fish they caught. Therefore, to catch nothing, to, to spend all night out there and catch nothing was a big deal because time is money, and they had nothing to show for the time that they spent the previous night except for empty, dirty nets. 
But then Jesus shows up. And they went from catching nothing to not having enough room to contain the size of the catch that Jesus allowed them to make. And, and, and given the fact that their boats began to sink as they loaded this large cargo of fish, lets me know that, that a catch this size was probably not the norm or the expectation, or else they would have had bigger boats. And something else that probably most of us would miss is that the time of day in which Jesus asked them to do this, to let down their nets, the, the, this time of the day when the sun's out, when the sun is beaming on the water, uh, was not conducive for serious fishing. Serious, if you know any serious fishermen or people who fish, you know they wake up at the before crack of dawn to go fishing. It's, it's not sunrise where you go fish. You go, you go fishing before the sun rises. And we see this in Simon's initial response to Jesus. He says, oh, they said, Master, we, we, time has passed for that. If you, if you want to do, we, we might have to wait until tonight. It was daytime. It was not the appropriate time to fish because the fish could see the nets that were used to catch them and thus avoid them. But to his credit, we see that Simon listened to the voice of Jesus and in doing so witnessed the wonder-working power of Jesus. You see, what I realized is that Jesus didn't have to allow them to catch this large sum of fish. Jesus, by the virtue of the authority that he had, could just said, come follow me. And being God and having the authoritative word, they would have had to obey. A couple chapters before, or a chapter before, we find that Jesus is teaching in the synagogue, and a demon-possessed man rises up and starts yelling all these things. That Jesus, we, I know who you are. Have you come to destroy us? And Jesus tells him to come out. And the demon doesn't try to argue, doesn't try to bargain with, with Jesus. He comes out of the man. When, when Jesus speaks, things happen because the voice of Jesus is the, is the same voice that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And when there was, he said, let there be light, that was the voice of Jesus. He didn't have to, uh, to work this miracle in order to get their attention, to get them to, to follow them. He could have simply said to follow him, and, they, and he would have been right to do so. But he did so, and he demonstrated his power and provided what they had on their own been trying to obtain the previous night, but with no success. And as I was studying this, I began to wonder what would have happened if they actually did have success the previous night. Would they have missed Jesus as Jesus is teaching? Would they have been so concerned with, you know, getting the, sorting the fish out and getting ready to sell that they would have missed this moment with Jesus? And so I have to believe that the, the, the futility of the previous night's outing was no coincidence, but the sovereignty of God at work, God allowed a frustrating situation to unfold in order to draw Simon, James, and John near to Jesus. He allowed lack that they might come to know the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, who at any moment could provide what they had need of. It was Jesus's way of telling Simon, James, and John, listen. I got you. I, I, I got you. you. You don't have to depend on this occupation anymore because I got you. And so they catch this large sum of fish. 
since they left everything in. Could it be that they used this large sum of fish to get their affairs in order, to, 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 to take care, to make sure that their families were provided for because they left everything. They, they, they were no longer fishermen at that point, but look at the grace and, and, and mercy of God that I, I'll set you up. I, I'll make sure your family is taken care of. If you seek first my kingdom, if you follow me, all these things will be taken care of. I, I, I got you. And let, and let me demonstrate that right out the gate. Listen, you ain't got to worry about how they're going to pay the bills for the next couple of months. I don't know how much that would have paid for. But listen, I got you because I'm a provider. And I do not forsake my people. I don't let my people go without. I am the good shepherd. And my people shall not want. I got you. When we follow Jesus, we experience his provision. We experience his, I got you. You don't have to worry how it's going to work out. You don't have to worry how things are they're going to line up. I, I will make a way. And even when there seems to be no way, even when there's a dead end, even when there's a roadblock, even when it seems impossible, I am the God of the impossible. For man's extremity, when, when man has reached his limit, it's God's opportunity to show up and show out. In this way, Jesus not only demonstrated his power and authority over creation, and I'm moving on, but he establishes for them that he would provide for them every step of the way. And sometimes the provision would be in abundance, as in this situation, but other times it would be day by day and hour by hour. Matthew records in Matthew 17, 24, 27, there came a time when taxes were due. And the disciples didn't have any money to pay their taxes. And Jesus didn't have any money to, to pay their taxes. And he was being questioned, like, so are y'all going to be good citizens? Are y'all are y'all rebels? Are y'all going to pay the, the, the temple tax? Are you going to do what you're supposed to do? And they looked around, and, and the disciples are in the house, like, oh, God, he out there talking to the tax collectors. What are we going to do? And Jesus tells Peter, he says, it's time to go back fishing. And when you go back fishing, there's going to be a coin in one of the mouths of the fish. Use that to pay my taxes and yours. Another instance of Jesus saying, I got you. I got you. When we follow Jesus, when we submit to his plan and submit to his way and submit to his agenda, he gives us the promise of his I got you. And that same message is so real for us. And Jesus is still saying that today. You follow my lead, I'll take care of the rest. And if we had time, I'd open up the room for testimony service for, 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 for some of you in here to testify to the fact that Jesus showed up and, and you got a lot of I got you's throughout your life. I got a lot of I got you moments in my life. And so I'm so grateful that we serve the God of the I got you. I got you. Lastly, benefit of following Jesus, we receive his promise. We receive his promise. When Simon sees the fish, he recognizes, oh, this ain't no ordinary dude. This ain't no ordinary teacher. I've, I've seen teachers before, but this, 
this guy is something different. He's something other. He's, I'm in the presence of something divine and holy. And, and Peter says, nope, I, I, I don't want any part. I'm not even, I'm, I don't deserve to be in your presence. Get away from me, Jesus. I am sinful. Somehow what had then become a sacred moment caused Simon to be confronted with his own sinfulness. And he didn't think he was ready for such an encounter. He maybe thought he, uh, well, shoot, if, 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 if this is Jesus and, and this is who I think it is, and if he's divine, then I, I need time to clean up my act. I, I need time to, to, to get it together. I need to clean up my life before I'd be worthy of Jesus's presence. There was this sense of guilt and shame, and all he wanted to do in that moment was hide, as was typical of people who, were encountered, who encountered the divine in the Bible. But notice how Jesus deals with Simon. He doesn't lecture him about his sinfulness. He doesn't go through the long litany or list of, of sins that uh, the ways that Simon is sinful. He doesn't even address Peter's response at all. Instead, Jesus' response sent the message to Simon that he was for Simon. Simon says, Get away from me, I'm sinful. And Jesus says, no fear. Fear not. Don't be afraid because from now on, you will, you, you will catch men. Just like you caught these fish, you will, you will catch men. Simon, I'm, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not, I'm not here to judge you. I'm, I'm not here to cast out the, the demons like I did in chapter 4. I, I am here, I'm, I'm here to, to enlist you into my service. I, I'm here to invite you into relationship. I, I'm here to give you purpose. I'm here to give your life meaning. I know you don't think you deserve it. I know you think your life is raggedy and nasty. You need to get cleaned up. But listen, I am for you. And how do I show you that I'm for you? That I give you a call. I commission you. I give you a responsibility. I give you a, a partnership in what I'm doing in the world. <clears throat> he says, you see, when Jesus is for you, when he shows up and show out, when, 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 he, when he demonstrates his power, is not meant to elicit fear. It's not meant to push you away, but rather to draw you in, to, 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 to show you that you can put your faith and confidence in him. When Jesus is for you, you don't have to run from him. You can run to him because he's for you. As I bring this to a close, what Jesus does, tell Simon, don't be afraid. Because from now on, this is what your life is going to be about. In Matthew and, and Mark, he, they, they record Jesus saying, I will make you fishers of men. I, I, I'm not going to just give you an assignment, but I'm going to make sure you reach your fullest potential to carry out the assignment I've given you. I, I will make you. This is my word of promise. I, I'm going to be with you every step of the way, picking you up when you fall, strengthening you when you're weak, encouraging you when you're discouraged. I will make you disciples or uh, fishers of 
men. I am going to do, I'm going to see to it that everything that you're supposed to do will come to pass in your life because I am committing myself to you. This is my promise that this, from this day forward, your life will be about catching men and women. Your life will be about preaching the gospel of grace to anybody with ears to hear. You, you are now going to be my ambassadors. David had his mighty men. You're going to be part of my mighty men. But this time, we're not going to be wielding swords to shed blood, but wielding the gospel of grace and pointing others to the true source of joy. In chapter 4 of Luke, we read that Jesus announced that he had received an anointing to preach the gospel to the poor, to give sight to the blind, to, to, to set captives free, to, to deliver those who are oppressed. And in this call of Simon, James, and John, we find that the anointing Christ received is in a measure shared with those to whom he's called to follow him as he invites or commands his disciples to participate in his mission. Your, my business now is your business, and I'm going to see to it that you're successful at it. I will make you, just like I made these fish come in this net, I'm going to make people respond to the word of grace preached from your lips. The promise Jesus made was that he would surely work in and through them to reap a greater harvest of souls for his glory and for their joy. They would no longer be simple fishermen on the outskirts of society. They were now ambassadors for the king of kings. In conclusion, the same invitation that Jesus extended to Simon Peter and his partners is the same invitation extended to us. For him to, to be a part of our lives and for us to be a part of his and to be a part of his is to share his heart for the weak and the lost. It's not only an invitation, but a promise. The work he starts, he finishes. Jesus is always looking to enlist men and women like you and I into his service. He's still saying, I'm looking for somebody to come and be fishers of men and women. He's looking for you women like you, men and women like you and I into a service who, as a result of the grace shown us, we in return want to make an impact for him. So I want to end with a question. Because you may be asking yourself, and maybe you've, you've asked yourself this before today, how do I know if I'm really following Jesus? And I would answer that question with the question. I know that's not kosher, but I would answer that question with the question. What are your ultimate goals in life? What, what do you seek to get out of this life? Because how each one of us answers that question may shed light on whether we are really following Jesus or not. I would hope that the top of our list of goals in life would be to, to make an impact on the world, on our community, in our neighborhood, in our family, for the Lord Jesus Christ. And if that's your goal, if that's 
what, 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 what part of your life's motivation, your life's main motivation, wherever you are. And I would gather that, yeah, I think you're on the right track following Jesus. And if not, the, Jesus is extending his hand to you and say, come and really follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. I will give your life meaning. I will give you fulfillment. I will supply a joy that nobody can take away from you if you only follow me. So closing question, are you really following Jesus? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that you choose to include us in your mission. That you've, choose, you've chosen to make your business our business. That you've showed up in our lives in such unique and powerful ways. You've uniquely called each one of us to follow you. God, I pray that, that we will be a church of followers of Christ not just in word, not just in theory, but in practice, that we would really truly seek to follow you wherever we are, wherever you've planted us, that our life's mission would be to leave a legacy to impact others around us for the kingdom of Christ. God, I thank you so much that our sinfulness is not too great for for you to commission us and call us and invite us into a relationship with you. And I thank you for the promise that you've given us that the work you started in us, you will complete. And so we commit ourselves to you to faithfully follow and serve you. Wherever you lead us, we will go. We thank you so much for this privilege and this call. And we pray for the courage and boldness to keep following you every step in the way, knowing that you will provide Thank you for the I got you that you've promised over our lives. We love you and we praise you. Thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name, amen.